Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. I know within a couple of days she'll, she'll be back to her old self. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. So I feel like the Lord has just confirmed it, even in the song that we were singing today, that he wants to speak to someone here this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Our theme today is, what has been heard? What has been heard? And as we just open up in our intro, I think you'll understand more of the theme. What has been heard? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul writes here to the church of Ephesus, and he says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, our theme today is what has been heard. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the teaching this morning. I pray that our Sunday would change our Monday, Lord. I pray that it would be a teaching that we could apply to our lives that could help us, Lord God, see your will for us just a little bit more, Lord, that it could be just uh, put to practice in our daily living, oh Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. amen. What has been heard? What has been heard? We live in a time when, when the word gets out quickly. We live in a time when the word gets out quickly, even like uh, promoting things in church, put it on our social media platforms, and within 24 hours, everybody got it. You know, we can send mass texts out, man. Boom. Everybody gets it. Calls, emails, information these days travels very fast. For the most part, information moves quickly. So if we need to get something out, it could be said, it could be heard quickly. I love to hear good news. How many say amen? amen? Right? Bad news is the worst. When someone says to me, I have good news and bad news, which one do you want first? What do you normally say? I say bad. Let's get it over with. Let's get it over with. Let's finish off with some good news. Right? Uh, you know, isn't it good to hear good news? Isn't it good to hear that someone you love is doing well? For, for me, it brings me joy. It brings me joy and excitement to see you know, someone, you know, that we love or someone that we care for is doing well, you know. I love social media for many reasons, but one is, you know, you get to see all that God is doing in the different people's lives and, and people speaking and encouraging, and, and, and that's wonderful. I, I know she's not going to like this, but one of her friends snapped a picture and, and showed me Eden preaching Friday night in another church and saying, man, she encouraged us. And, and I, the, uh, information travels quickly, right? It's so nice to hear good news and see good news. Friday night here, we saw Caitlin preaching, and she did such an awesome job. She had three great points. You know I'm a three-point preacher, right? So when anybody, I'm, I'm a fan favorite of three-point preachers, right? So um, she did such a good job, man. It's so good to hear and to see 
good news. You know, as pastor, we've had the privilege of seeing so many ministers leave and go into ministry and do so well and, and uh, friends to do so well. And, man, it just makes us, it, it just makes us happy. It brings us joy to hear the good things that God is doing in the lives of his people. And here, the Apostle Paul writes to the church, uh, and, and he's telling the church, you know, I, I've heard of your faith. I heard that you're doing well. And he's encouraged to hear that the church of Ephesus is doing well. Now, and, and make no mistake, they were in a season, a time when it wasn't easy to do well in church. It wasn't easy to do well in their faith. They were living in a time where false doctrine was a big part of, of the combating of the everyday ministry that a pastor of those times like Timothy in the city of Ephesus would have to deal with. Uh, they were dealing with Jewish legalism. They were dealing with mystical teachings about Jesus. And they were dealing with so many things. And uh, in fact, when Paul writes to Timothy in his first book, he has to tell him, I, I urge you, uh, I urge you when you went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrine any longer. In other words, he's telling Timothy, you got you to gotta combat this. You got to deal with false doctrine in the church. And this is the church that Apostle Paul is writing to. You know, so they, they, had, to, they had to deal with this. But yet he says, I've, I've heard the good news. There were also cultural uh, differences and cultural times and cultural battles between the Hebrew people that were converting and, and, and the Christian Gentiles. And, and their two different cultures were causing conflict and tension within the church. But yet, the Apostle Paul says, I heard how good you're doing this is only about 30 years after Jesus. There's still persecution. There's still fear for their lives. But yet, the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, I've heard of your faith. I hear that you're doing so well. I love that he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. These words allow us to see the joy of the apostle. He's so happy. Ever since I've heard, I know you're doing well. I know you're battling, but you're, you're doing well. I wonder what it would be said of us today. If the apostle Paul were, were to write to us, and uh, I know that he's writing to the church of Ephesus, and, and we are Halloween Christian church, but you and I, we are the church. You're the church. I'm the church, right? We gather here, and we understand, but, but overall, we're part of the church of Christ, the body of Christ. I wonder what the Apostle Paul would say if he wrote to you, or if he wrote to me, or if he wrote to Elohim. I, I, I hope that he would say, Elohim, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I hope that he would say that. I hope that he would say, Carlos, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. I hope. I hope that he would be able to write that, that he's, that he's heard. Could you put your name there? Could you put your name there? Could, could you also say, I, I, I hope that he would say, hey, so-and-so, I heard about your faith and your love for God's people. I, I hope that that's what he would hear. What, what would he hear about us as the church of today? What, he, what would he hear? What has been heard? So there's a, 
I, I, I thought, I said, wow, I could put a list of things that I would hope that he would say, I heard about this, but today I want to share with you three things. Three things that I think or hope that the Apostle Paul would say about the church of today and about you and about me and, and about our church as well. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Three things. The first one is, I hope that he would say of us that we are peacemakers. Peacemakers. What this world needs are peacemakers. Not instigators, but peacemakers. In a world where there is so much division, so much separation, so much partiality, so much one-sidedness, what this world needs is peacemakers. And the church says, in this world, we, we see political parties have divided people. We see people at times, they're divided by their culture. I'm from this country and you're from that country. And we allow barriers to exist between us because we have a different presentation or we speak a different language. And we allow that to divide us. Sometimes we're divided, uh, uh, sometimes we're divided by friends. These are my friends and those are your friends. And, and I cannot be friends with those people. And I cannot be friends. And we allow that to, to bring a divide within us. Sometimes we're divided by money because uh, I have money. I live here or I live there. Or I do this or I do that. And, and there's a divide because of money. Sometimes we're, we're divided by age, generation. Oh, no. Um, I'm a baby boomer. I'm from the generation of baby boomers or Generation X or, or millennials or, or Gen Zs. And, and, uh, and, and we're divided by, by our ages. No, they, they never could understand us. They're, they're just too young to understand What's happening right now? Oh, they're too old. They, they don't understand. And we're, we're divided by our age, by our generations. But I would pray that of the church, it would say that we are peacemakers. What is said about the church in the midst of divide, in the midst of these times? Does it say that we are, are peacemakers? We have to guard ourselves even the way we take stance on social media. Because at times it looks like we're just a pushing a side or a view and we've overlooked the urgency of being a peacemaker in the midst of our own opinions. We must be careful and know that the church is called to be a peacemaker. If we treat people different because of the way they look or the way they act or where they were born or the language they speak, are we really peacemakers? What does the Bible say with regard to this? I love the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to hear the words of Jesus, if you want to be impacted by the teachings of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, it's the words of Jesus. It's, it's the dust, says the Lord, for you and for me. And in the midst of that sermon, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That it would be said of the church, sons of God, it would be said of the church that we are peacemakers. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians and he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The church has been given the charge of bringing peace in times of conflict. That is our job. Not to add gas to the fire but to bring peace in the time of conflict. And let us not understand what bringing peace is, what, what meekness is. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is to have the influence, but know how to use the influence. To have the strength, but know how to control and use the strength. To have the wisdom, but know how to use it. To have the right answer, but to know 
when it's time to really install what is right. It's power under control. And the church is called to be meek. It's called to be peacemakers. And let us be clear that peacemakers are not those who ignore issues or try to smooth things out without uh, actually resolve, resolving the issue. Peacemakers are willing to put themselves in the middle of the conflict and point towards what's important, the unchanging truth. To be a peacemaker is not to give my opinion, but lead people to the truth and the best possible outcome of the time. To be a peacemaker, we have to be willing to serve others, to put concern for others ahead of our own. We demonstrate care for people more than the conflict at hand when we are peacemakers, to know the needs of the people, to have healthy conversations, to point towards Jesus, to be patient. A peacemaker approaches everyone with compassion and leads always towards truth. So to be a peacemaker does not mean that my opinion is the one that matters. To be a peacemaker means what is the greater good in this circumstance. And it may mean denying myself for the sake of the other. What is that this world needs? This world needs peacemakers. There is conflict all around us as the church. Do we become part of the problem? Are we actively trying to be peacemakers? Do we find ourselves in constant conflict? Have you ever been around people that there's always in conflict? Then the Lord is speaking to them if they're here. And if you find yourself always in conflict, then the Lord is speaking to you there. Our opinion doesn't always have to be heard. Our way doesn't always have to be the only way. And our, us being right doesn't always have to be the best outcome. But what is the greater good for the circumstance? And how is Jesus being lifted up in the midst of that conflict? That is the call of the church. And it may mean denying ourselves, denying our will, denying what we think should happen, for the sake of lifting up the name of Jesus. And the church says, how awesome would it be to hear this? I am filled with joy to hear how you are a peacemaker. How awesome would it be if the Apostle Paul wrote to Halloween Christian Church and, and he writes to us and he says, I'm filled with joy to hear how you are a peacemaker. What has been heard. I think the church is called to evaluate the way we fight. And I'm saying that we have to fight. We have to defend what is right and what is just. But we have to do it in a way that lifts up the name of Jesus. And the church says, so we're talking about what has been heard, and we're just going to share three things and hoping that it would encourage us to apply to our lives. The first thing is I hope that it would say that the church is peacemaker, that we are peacemakers. Number two, I hope, that it was, I hope that it would be said that the church is a beacon of hope. And I love that we were singing this morning, you know, you keep hope alive. 
I hope that it would say that the church is a beacon of hope, that the church is not just an institution that means to, uh, uh, an institution that meets to fulfill special needs of groups of people. I, I hope that it would not just say that we're meeting on Sundays and that we're just worshiping or singing or, or hearing good sermons or teaching, but that it would be said that the church is a beacon of hope, a beacon of hope. The church is hope for the lost. We live in a world where Savior is needed, and to avoid eternal condemnation, the church is the answer. We bring the message. The church is a beacon of hope. Without Christ, humanity is lost. The church has the gospel message. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the message of hope, and it has been given to the church to share with the lost world. How will they hear if no one preaches to them? Without Jesus, there is no hope. There is no other way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under, he given under heaven, given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the hope of this lost world. And the church, we are a beacon of hope. And the church says, the church must illustrate this. The church must live this. Um, there will be a day when hope is gone. There will be a day and a time in the future when God will judge all people who have chosen to deny him as their Lord and Savior. And it wouldn't be enough just to say, but I believed. It won't be enough to say, I believed. The message is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Some people may want a Savior, but they don't want him to lord over their life. Jesus is looking for somebody who says, I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my Savior. I want you to save me from eternal condemnation. I want, to, I want you to save me from, from sin and save me from my own uh, uh, evils. And, and I want you to be my Lord. I want you to tell me how I should live. Jesus wants to be our Lord and Savior. Uh, many, many want salvation, but many say, I don't want lordship over our lives. Jesus, he is the answer for a lost world. We live, thank you, we live in a time when the world needs to hear that there is hope. We live in a time when there's so much hurt, so much separation, so much addiction, so much isolation. In the midst of those times, I pray that it would be said that the church is a beacon of hope for those who feel like their circumstance is hopeless. That the church would say, man, we, we are that message. We have that message. The church, that we would point people who are in a sense of despair, that we would point them to Jesus. As Christians, as the church, we also go through hard times, but we are reminded as the church that we always have hope. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, Though we are hard-pressed on every side, we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair, we always have hope. And this world needs to know that they also have hope. And the church is the beacon of hope. And even when we are struggling in our inner self, the psalmist told us how we should pray. He said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put 
your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. In other words, the psalmist is reminding us we are never without hope. And that is the message that the church brings to this world. In all circumstances of life, Jesus is our hope. We are reminded of this. In every situation, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Perhaps you're here today and you feel like you're battling a little bit. And you feel like you're dealing with separation or isolation or despair. I want to let you know that, that we have hope in Christ. As we sang it here today, we have hope in him. He meets us in our place of need. And it's the message that we have for us, and it is the message that we have for the world, because the church is a beacon of hope. And maybe you're battling in your own particular life, and you're saying, Lord, I need you. Would you hear the words of Jesus when he said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that Jesus tells us, no matter where we are in life, what he has for us, the hope that he has for us, is enough to sustain us throughout all of life. And this is the message of the church for a lost and condemned world. The church must be a beacon of hope. I hope that if the Apostle Paul were to write to us today, I hope that he would say, I heard about your commitment to offer hope to a lost world, and I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And the church says, sometimes I fear that we become so institutionalized in our faith and our Christian culture that we forgot that we're a beacon of hope, a light of hope, that we're a city on a hill, that there is a great call upon the church, that what we have received is not for us to, 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 to shut it in our hearts only, but it's to share and to remind this world that Jesus is the answer. We live in a world where we walk down the street and we see despair and we see hurt and we see pain and we see isolation and we see addiction. We live in a time when we see so much brokenness and the job of the church is to light a fire. The job of the church is to proclaim hope in the midst of hopelessness and to let them know that Jesus is the answer. I hope that it would say of us, of you, of me, that we are a beacon of hope. That people would run into us and say, there's something about you that brings life to me. There's something about you that brings joy to me. It's because you're a beacon of hope. And the church says, amen. Number three, I hope that it would say that the church is consistent. Consistent. Today, we see so much back and forth, right? So much back and forth. Uh, politicians say something today to gain our votes, and tomorrow they say something else. They're so inconsistent. Stock market, we see it so inconsistent. Good days, bad days. Good days, bad days, bad days, bad days, good days. So much inconsistency, right? Some people sometimes say, this is good for you, and then they say, oh, it's bad for you. This is good for you, and then bad for you. Some say, coffee is good for you. Others say, coffee is bad for you. 
I'm of those that say coffee is good for you, right? Uh, it's, there's so much inconsistency. And inconsistency produces a lack of trust. If you are inconsistent in your faith, in your walk at work, people will never trust you for your, for your message because there's inconsistency. What you say is not how you live. They'll never trust you. Your neighbors would never trust you. Oh, they say this, but look at how they live. In the church, they will not trust you. You could be a leader, you could have titles, but if you're not living consistent with what you teach and preach and what you believe to be right, even the church people will come, ah. There's a, there's a term in Spanish that we'll use, son chalatanes, <laughs> right? There's a sense because there, you may say it, but, but there's inconsistency within your life. I hope that the Apostle Paul could write to us and he could say, hey, I, I'm so excited to hear how consistent you are in the faith, and I have not stopped praying for you. The church must continue to be consistent. It must continue to be consistent. Our methods may change, but our mission is always the same. We must continue to be consistent in what we teach and what we preach. Uh, yes, it's, it's good to hear sermons about healthy living, but they must be grounded in Jesus. It's good to hear things about how good we're doing, but they must be grounded in Jesus. It's good to hear sermons about managing money and, and, and leadership, but they must be grounded in Jesus. We must be consistent in teaching that Jesus is the only way. We must be consistent in our teaching. The church must be consistent in teaching that Jesus is coming again. That the world would know that the church would be reminded that one day the trumpet will sound and the church will be lifted up and we will find ourselves with Jesus in the cloud. We must be consistent in the teaching that one day the Bible says he will come like a thief in the night and, and, and two will be working in the mill and one will be taken and one will be left. Why? Because this is what the scripture says and we must be consistent in our teachings. We must be consistent. We must be consistent not only in the way we're teaching, but, but how we're living. We must be consistent that our deep convictions for what we know is holy and what we know is righteous would not waver, that we would be consistent in the way that we're living, that it would be said of us, wow, I, I appreciate that even in your, in your time of hardship, in your times of trial, you've been consistent. In your time of loss, you've been consistent. That it would say of you in your time of growth that you've been consistent. That the church must be consistent in not only how we teach and not only how we live, but that we would be consistent in how we serve. That we would remember that the gospel is not only preached, but it's presented to a lost world through acts of service and kindness. That we'll be consistent in the way that we serve. The church must be consistent in how we persevere, that we fight the good fight of the faith, knowing that this is the call that God has upon our lives. Consistency. Consistency. I pray that we would be consistent in our spiritual disciplines of prayer and studying God's word and coming to church. Consistent in those things. Because there we live out the faith that we believe. Consistent. Can I encourage you today, as I get ready to close our teaching, can I encourage you today to be consistent? Can you encourage me to be consistent, that we would be reminded that God is looking for a church that doesn't waver? 
for a church that is not hot and cold, for a church that's not up and down, for a church that's not influenced by, by its culture, but it is consistent in what God has called us to do and to live and to teach, that we would be consistent. Wouldn't it be awesome that the Apostle Paul would write to us and he would say, for I've heard of how consistent you are in the faith, that you don't waver. That he would be happy with us. So today, as I get ready to close, what has been heard? Can you take a moment of evaluation and can you just think about, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in me right now? What has been heard? What can my spouse say about me? What can my children say about me? What can our leaders say about me? What can the church say about me? And, uh, what has been heard? What, what would they say about me? I hope, that, I hope that they would say that we're peacemakers. Not people lighting fires of instigation and pushing their own will and their own views and, and always starting trouble or, or our word has to be the last word or our will has to be the right way. and No, no, but, but to evaluate and, and be peacemakers, to lift up the name of Jesus. Would it be said of you and of me and our church that we are peacemakers? Would it say of us, would we hear that you're a beacon of hope? That when your neighbors are in a tough time, that, oh man, let's call so-and-so. Uh, they could help us. When your co-workers are in a, a tough time, let's call so-and-so. They could help us. Because they see you as a beacon of hope. They see you as someone that can help them in their circumstance, in their desperation, in their isolation, in their need. They see you as hope, a beacon of hope. Let's call so-and-so. They, they can help us. If we don't want to be bothered by others, something is wrong. Because we, the church, we're a beacon of hope. And it doesn't have a lot to do with this building. It has more to do with you and with me. A beacon of hope that it would say that of us. I hope that it would say that we're, we're consistent. It's important for the church to be consistent. It's important for the church people to be consistent because if we're not, the people will never trust us. Chalatanes is what they will say about us. They say something now, but they're not living that. Consistent. And there we can be an uh, influence for the kingdom of God in this time. And the church says, I'm going to invite you to stand. What has been heard? I hope. I hope that it could be said. Man, you're a peacemaker. You're a beacon of hope. And you're consistent. Let your Sunday change your Monday. Would you wake up tomorrow morning and in your morning prayer, would you say this? 
Would you say, Lord, help me to be a peacemaker? Would you say this, Lord, help me to be a, a beacon of hope? Would you say this, Lord, help me to be consistent in what you call me to be consistent in? And the Lord, he will hear that prayer and he will meet you there. And the church says, Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. We pray that it would land in our hearts and draw us closer to you, Lord. We pray that we would be reminded, Lord, that our Sunday must change our Monday, that your word applied to our lives is what draws us closer to your will, that we'll be reminded this morning that you are calling us for the next, for more. You're calling us to evaluate ourselves, Lord, and deny ourselves of our own egos and, and let your presence fill us, O oh Lord that today, Lord, we will be reminded of what you are doing in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church says, if you're here today and the Lord has ministered to you in a special way and you would like prayer, as we sing this next song, the altar is open. I want to invite you to come forward and, and allow the pastors and the Holy Spirit to minister to you as you are here. And if you don't know Jesus, if you are far from God, today is the day of salvation. As we sing this next song, would you just come forward and say, hey, I need to make a new commitment with God. And I promise you, Jesus, your future days will be better than your past days. And the church says, amen. The altar is open if you'd like prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.